What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 43, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J Mac, aka Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Buy one, get one half off, Bogoho. Is that a thing? Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? Oh, hey, J Mac, how are you? Excellent, sir. Excellent. I went back to the, the vault for that one. Yeah, I was going to say that. That sounds like an old drop uh, if I try to use the word bagoho. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh, because the funny thing about that was that so that was like episode like 14 and mm-hmm. I was like telling you a story about like something like something obviously involving baseball and you responded back with that. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> I feel like, though, you've known me long enough to expect that hey, Justin's telling me an actual interesting story. My next interjection will either be a counterpoint, another interesting story, or most likely a really stupid joke. <laughs> Something extremely random. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. You having a good uh, good baseball evening? Yeah, man. Uh, the Red Sox already played today, so I am I love the days whenever they have a day game just because like, I can worry about it during the day. In the evening, I can kick back. I can watch what other, whatever other baseball I want to watch, or I can just do the show. Hey, totally fair. I love that. Any chance I get to record uh, with you, I'm definitely on board. Uh, it is worth noting that our good buddy, the greatest of all known Sambinos, won't be in attendance this evening, but that's all right. Out uh, of the office. He is out of the office, but definitely good things on his horizon. So don't feel like you have to uh, pour out a 40 for him or anything like that. He'll be back soon. I, I feel like we had some, some good uh, banter talk uh, during our, our Live from Atlanta episode. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, do you mind if we talk about uh, about Atlanta here for a bit? Let's do it, man. Okay. So, so what were your thoughts of the episode in general? So I have I thought episode 42, which, by the way, we didn't at all play up that that was Jackie Robinson's number, but we probably should Oh, shit. Missed opportunity. No, total. That's all right. We'll get it at 142. <laughs> anyway, Maybe. <laughs> so here's, the, here's the thing. I absolutely think that um, number one, I want to be on the next trip and I'm super jazzed. I've been in the middle of moving. So like it totally didn't work out this time, but uh, for next time, I definitely want to make that happen. Man, it was uh, something. sounds like y'all had a great time though. Yeah, we did. It was a, uh, it was a lot of travel and a lot of like, you know, and everything for me. I mean, obviously I don't mind doing it. It's the, it's content. It's, you know, getting to see the great Sambino. It's and not necessarily in that order, uh, but you know, getting to go to a Braves game. It's, it's all good stuff. You know, I don't mind doing it, but it was uh it was a long few days for me. Yeah, I'd like to see the new Brave Stadium. I, I saw a game at Turner Field mm-hmm. back in the 90s, and it was really cool. Yeah, man, it's it's really, like, at first, it's one of those that doesn't feel like it has a ton of charm, mm-hmm. and it but it really starts to get characteristic the longer you kind of take it in. Sure. Which is kind of cool. No, I totally get that. I it, totally get that. It, um, it's sort I of, did, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I did have a, a few key points that I want to make sure that 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 we bring up here. So, okay. number one, uh, the addition of adding Claire uh, and Stephanie to that last episode, top notch. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. I have, I have a new favorite drop as a result of that trip. Okay. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I think so, yeah. So prior to any introduction, I don't even think Justin and Sam had indicated that there was anyone else on the recording. No, we did. 
We had okay. at this point. So at this point, you knew that there were other voices, but they hadn't really said much. So this is the <laughs> first notable contribution from Justin's partner in life, his much better half. Give it up for Claire. What do we got, Claire? Nut to butt. <laughs> like when I heard that, I lost it. Well done. Yeah, obviously I did too. I lost it on the recording specifically. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody saw that Incredible. coming. Incredible. No, and, and there were just so many good little things like you inadvertently making fun of the Little League World Series, but then feeling the need to defend yourself making fun of it by writing a blog, which okay. can now be read at sensiblyloud.com. We, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to go too far to that yet. Okay, it's um, totally fine. But because I definitely have some things to, to say about that. But, um, but yeah, no, it, there was some some recording gold, and and it, the funny thing that when I listened back on it, that it, the, I guess gets me the most is that we were all like a little little tipsy, a little lethargic, and Sam and I were just sitting there bullshitting about baseball like we always do, and it kind of didn't even really, other than the fact that we had to hold microphones and stuff, you know, back and forth, it didn't feel like we were really recording a show. It just felt no. like we were just talking. I know, and that's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. There's certainly an art to the conversation, but uh, it's really good. No, a few key issues. One, uh, I ended up somehow with a Chipper Jones bobblehead, so thank you so much, Outfielder Crew, for hooking me up with that. Uh, it likely was a spare one, but I'm telling nope. myself that, like, Claire and Stephanie staged, like, a heist in order to facilitate it. There were, like, ski masks involved, and they knocked off a hot dog stand. Well, the hell of it was, like, we got in there, and Claire was like, no, no, I don't want one. And I was like, what the, f what are you talking about? Go get that. I'll take it and deal with it later. Like, just, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> don't turn it down. Give it to me. <laughs> yes. No, like, it's, come it's on. Fantastic. The whole reason we came to Atlanta was for something like this. Uh, um, another, uh, another two things I really enjoyed. Uh, I really liked the food talk with okay. y'all complaining about the cheeseburgers <laughs> and <laughs> the cost of them and like just juxtaposing. I think Stephanie said something like, and I love a red onion or something. <laughs> like yes. Random stuff. Uh, and then the cereal hot takes that we got around yeah. how one individual who won't be named will eat dry multigrain Cheerios. Even Sam was caught off guard by that one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> two more keynotes, one baseball related. Um, you indicated that I was full of it because I said you and Sam misremembered me saying that the A's would not overtake the Astros. Mm -hmm. And if you pull the record, I said the A's absolutely would overtake the Astros, but they won't be able to maintain it. I said by the end of August, the A's are definitely going to be still still right there in the hunt. They may mm -hmm. overtake or go back and forth but the Astros are a better built team. And so they're going to go ahead and win the division out. By okay. The end of That's fair. I, I feel like now that you say that, that actually does sound like what your take was, but I, I'll, we can go back and listen. That won't be necessary. I'll, I'll just make this the new record. All right. That's fine. And then finally, uh, I don't think that this was, um, that this was talked about officially on the pod, but Justin, can you do a 90 second story and tell everyone well, let me tell it. So I've heard this story twice now. Once Justin and I were just conversing because we're friends and that's mm -hmm. what we do. But uh, we may or may not be working on another Sensibly Loud podcast. And this story showed up on there. And it's the story of how Justin, Sam, Claire, and Stephanie, while eating at a restaurant in Atlanta, almost watched a like 
inadvertent terrorist attack. <laughs> okay. It wasn't an inadvertent terrorist attack. Well, here's here's the thing. <laughs> if you were just watching, you wouldn't necessarily know that because yeah. I guess in, you know, there's been horrific tragedies in uh, cities around the globe where people like ram trucks through crowds yeah, of people. That's right? true. Yeah. So Sam and Justin and their wives are eating at this restaurant and I'm sure they're, you know, eating shrimp quesadillas and all that. And <laughs> then a like RV tries to drive like through a horseshoe thing and botches a U-turn and like jumps the curb and starts knocking over tables and like a cop's getting out yelling at the driver. So the way I heard it initially told was more of like comedy gold. But the way that I interpreted it was like, Mass hey, hysteria. Something going down. <laughs> yeah. You know, like people were filming it vertically on their cracked iPhone screens. Just- yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was something, man. I mean, you, you, you gave the tent poles there. It was uh, uh, an RV that looked just like out of, something out of Breaking Bad was just coming into a, uh, you know, a, like kind of a U-shaped thing to do a, a turn. And this one truck had parked like an asshole and he tried to cut it too close. And yeah, it took him like two hours to get it out. It was, it was absolute gold to watch because it was like right across a dais. Like on the other side is like we were in a restaurant sitting in the window watching the whole thing. So we watched it all happen originally whenever we were waiting for our table. And then we got sat right next to the front of the restaurant so we could watch the whole thing unfold. It took like two and a half hours and finally they got it out of there. But it was it was a scene and a half, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so a couple of my takeaways from the last episode, if you will indulge me. I will in just a moment. I just had the brilliant idea that for the next outfielder trip, we all need to be in an RV. Uh, well, you and I were talking about possibly taking the train. So <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the train. Do you know how much fun it would be to f- just to record for like three hours while we just bullshit through any town USA? People listening. Yeah. We're, just like, <laughs> we're outside of Texarkana, and I gotta tell you, the mark the mics aren't even plugged in, Ben. <laughs> Still talking. Just commentating the whole thing. No, we would definitely get one of those like sleeper car things and then just bullshit in the bunk beds or something. I don't know. It'd be great. Um, all right. So a couple of my key takeaways. Okay. Um, so we were watching the game while we were commentating. Like we were kind of commentating along uh, with the very end of the Braves game that we left for some reason that, dude, I'm telling you. The weather like just barely bypassed where we were. I mean, it was it, it probably a mile away. It rained. So it was clo- like so like I, it was a fifty fifty shot on whether we were going to get poured on again or not. And we had already been rained on a couple of times. Yeah, at the game. So like, it doesn't matter. Like it ended up great because we were able to record the content at home and it was fun. Um, but if you remember, probably like three or four episodes ago. So it may even been a few more than that, but Sam had Kurt Suzuki in the piece of shit corner. Yes. And so Kurt Suzuki went to like, so basically the context here is that Kurt Suzuki was up to bat and he hit one all the way to the warning track. Okay. And of course it was caught, but I mean, dude, it was so close to gone. It was so close. Right. Yeah. And, and I want the way that y'all reacted was so funny. Yeah. I, w- I want you to hear my reaction to it. Yes. Because this is all I said. Sam yelled, and this is all I said. Kurt Suzuki sucks. <laughs> Dude, so I don't think you have it, but like if you backed the tape up about 25 seconds, maybe even not 25 seconds, yeah. you just yell, oh, my dirt. <laughs> That's what you yelled. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Um, 
And then I, were, I was thinking about, you were talking about the nut to butt thing and how funny that was. And yes. Just, you know, in general. Nut to butt. I mean, that's just gold, right? Um, I was also, I caught another piece of gold that was a little bit later in the episode. Um, so this is the last audio recording of it, and I've got one last little thing, and then we'll move on. Um, I, I, a lot of times, am reminded about why I married Claire, and just, in general, why, like, she fits so well with me, right? Okay. You know me, and my general feelings about people sometimes, and how I get really irritated by people, and, and that, right? Um, I've noticed. You've noticed, right? Yes. So there's a clip out of this episode of, of Claire just saying like one sentence or like one phrase, and it's just it's just one of those reminders, you know. And okay. I'll play it for you. People just in general, in public anywhere, are assholes. <laughs> She's not wrong. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so that it that just cracked me like, up. Like someone who's like about to like. Not like run a PTA meeting, but like stand up in the back of a PTA <laughs> meeting and just like let them have it. Yes. Like that's what I'm picturing People happening. are with the pauses and everything. Yes. It's very me. Um, and then the very last note I wanted to touch on is at the very end of the episode, we were talking about uniform colors again. Yes. And, you know, Sam's big thing about how there should be more green uniforms and everything. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Claire was just like, yeah, well, the dark green's okay, I guess. But, you know... That's just a girl's opinion. Like, I, I don't think I've ever watched an A's game. And Sam and I are both just like, we've all been to an A's game. All four of us in Oakland. <laughs> That's so funny. So funny, man. Anyway, cracks me up. It was a good trip. Wish you could have been there, man. We'll do it next time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's give it up for the outfielder. Give it up for the outfielder. Oh, yeah. All righty. Ben, who is sponsoring the pod today? Yeah, let's pay those sponsors. Let's see what we have on the old Rolodex here. Have you been looking for a good old-fashioned dive bar? Are you tired of not getting enough preservatives in your canned fish? Well, <laughs> our sponsor is the exact place for you. That's right. I'm talking about Starlin Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery. <laughs> Come on down to Starlin's today for a fresh glass of suds while you wait for a fresh case of canned sushi. You won't believe your taste buds when you try one of their delicious burgers and wash it down with a cold beer and a can of salmon. Need some tuna fish? Don't buy from the big guys. Their tuna is mass-produced and loses all signs of flavor and texture upon production. Starlin Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery uses all the finest ingredients that you can't find anywhere outside of Miami, Florida. Located right off of Loop 17, six miles from the all-night gas-and-go, Head on down to Starlin Castro's Lastro Gastro Pub and Cannery today. Back to you, Ben. Sweet Lord. <laughs> Any canned fish option six miles north of the all-night gas and go sounds like hell. It's absolute gold, man. Well done. Yeah, it's a good sponsor. Lastro Gastro Pub was hard to say when I was recording the 40 line. Incredible. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yeah, we definitely want to go ahead and jump in with the POS Corner, coming at you now. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular schedule of programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. 
The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. All right. Let's talk pieces of shit. Since Sam is out of the office tonight, Ben and I will take turns filling in on the piece of shit corner. How does that sound, Ben? I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. I'm excited. All right, so I will tell you, both of mine are inspired by talk that Sam and I have had. Okay. Okay? So the first piece of shit is you, Darvish. Interesting. Okay. You, Darvish, signed with the Chicago Cubs in the offseason, much to a lot of people's chagrin, I feel like. A lot of Rangers fans, anyway. But you know what? It ended up working out okay for you. I think the Rangers were very happy to not end up writing that check. Yep. It turns out you Darvish out for the season with a tear in his UCL. Crazy, man. Uh, so anyone has a CL or just him? Just you. It's, it's, his has got a Y on the front of it, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Sorry about that joke. Little name pun. Who's on first? <laughs> there are the crickets. It is evening yep. time here in North Texas. Um... Yeah, so huge piece of shit. I think he played like I think he only started like two or three games this year, and yep, his uh, this is the second time with that, right? Didn't he go on the DL for? Wasn't he out like all of 2014 for the Rangers or something like that? Yeah, he he missed a whole season, but it was because of Tommy John. Which is, yeah, it's the same thing. That's that's the the ligament that they fixed with Tommy John is the UCL. There's like all kinds of ligaments in that like like around that joint. But that's like the the main that's one. The main one. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm showing this year ugh, his 2018 numbers: one win, four losses, a 4.95 ERA, um, ugh, 40 innings pitched. His WAR this year is negative point two. Ugh. Good night. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's the piece of shit for the evening. Current player-wise. Excellent. Well, hey, uh, well done. Let me go ahead and go to uh, the second piece. So once again, to refresh the listeners, we go for a baseball uh, historical figure. So I would like to introduce your second POS for the evening, Ty Cobb of the Detroit Tigers. Justin, any guesses why I might pick Ty Cobb for this one? God only knows. Okay, so I want to take you back 106 years. No problem. Okay, let's get the DeLorean, gas that up, turn on the flux capacitor, because in May of 1912, Ty Cobb um, was playing in New York. So the the Tigers were taking on the Yankees. Tigers were just off to a abysmal start. They were 10 and 13. Um, by the way, the Yankees weren't even called the Yankees yet. They were still called the Highlanders. Mm-hmm. So Ty Cobb is just basically, there was a man who was just brutally making fun of him in the stands, heckling, verbal abuse. And you'd think a professional athlete is kind of used to this, right? Um, it depends on who you'd ask, but sure. Well, I don't know if you know this, Ty Cobb's temper was legendary. Mm-hmm. So he was about to duck into the dugout after the fourth inning. And um, basically... The guy um, was like, what are you going to do, Ty? You know, because Ty was insulting him back. Ty Cobb, without missing a beat, jumps the rail, runs 12 rows up in the grandstand, 
and starts physically fighting this person. Nice. Now, this person had been injured in a printing press accident <laughs> and had lost all but two of his fingers. Oh, and no. so I know you're, you know, like people were yelling like, oh, my God, Ty Cobb, stop. That man has no hands. And Ty Cobb, while attacking him with his spikes, is heard yelling, I don't care if he has no feet. <laughs> what the so hell? Ty Cobb was ejected from the game. And one of the reasons that this is important is, yes, he was injected. They had a fine. Mm -hmm. But basically, he was suspended. Well, for the first time in baseball history, the players organized the first type of organized strike. And the Detroit Tigers in 1912 all decided to sit out and say, hey, if Ty Cobb's not playing, we're not playing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not to be outdone, the owner of the Tigers said, fine, I'll find other people. So he like scrubs, you know, the farms. Ah, the scab players. Yes. And he just fills in people um, and they take on the on the A's and their game against the A's where it was just the replacement Tigers. Oh, no. Only was an hour and 45 minutes. It had nine errors and the Tigers lost 24 to two. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Now, eventually, Ty Cobb convinced um, the other players to give up their strike and to, to end the walkout. Each player who striked, struck, who striked, uh, was fined $100, and Ty Cobb had, to give, had a $50 penalty and was suspended without pay for 10 days. I would like to point out that the Nationals beat the Mets 24-4 to a couple, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. Yeah, that could have been the 1912 replacement Tigers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not good. That's not what you're looking for. That's outstanding. Wow, that's a story, man. I like that. So that's anyway, gold. if you're going to go up into the stands and curb stomp someone who's heckling you, who also has like legit, you know, has lost most of their hands, that might not be a fair fight. And you're kind of a POS, even if you were still the last person or like the highest career batting average of all time you know that happened in basketball within the last like 10 years right really yeah ron artest flew into the stands and went after a fan had the fan lost his hands in a printing press accident <laughs> no not exactly i guess well i don't know that he hadn't i should say that i don't know that he hadn't <laughs> um wild i love it that would be me i feel like i have that kind of temper where you would jump the stands at Yankee Stadium? No, just kidding. All but right. To be fair, I feel like you're always about a stone's throw away from jumping the stands in Yankee Stadium. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, all right. Next piece of shit. Chris Archer. Current pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Started the year with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he was 3-5 and five with the... Uh, the Rays going into the year. So he's four and six on the year with a 441 ERA total between the both teams he's pitched for. Uh, he's got a 491 ERA over four games so far in wow. Pittsburgh. And he's pitched 18 innings. He's allowed 10 earned and he has struck out 10. That's not great. That's not what they traded for. No, that's uh, pretty much on par with a 2018 U Darvish. Yep. Exactly. So, huge piece of shit, Chris Archer. Now, is that Chris with a K? No, that is not Chris with a K. Chris with a K is much better. All right, good. Very good. Uh, I have one more entry for you, and this is the anything goes um, number. 
And the fourth nomination for your POS for the evening is the mom in one of my kids' first grade class who was going off on the Pacific Ocean for saying it was too cold. You what? are my POS <laughs> for the evening. So what? I want to bring this up. So my wife uh, went and volunteered for my one of our daughter's uh, classrooms the other day. Sure. And goes in the room and this like super bougie woman is like gossiping with her friends and just I'm picturing her like you know driving a Mercedes and like yeah sneaking menthols from her family or something you know like just <laughs> menthols <laughs> like the the person who's like I only drink white wine because I don't want to stain my teeth like this is the, the caliber of person I'm, I'm thinking about you know, the now, type of woman that would say clear alcohol has no calories. Don't you dare bring Sam and his rosé into this. Hey, Sam and his rosé are A-OK. <laughs> True. All right. But here's the thing. I, I look this up. The Pacific Ocean has 187 quintillion gallons of water. That's okay. 187 with 18 zeros. And she has the audacity to say that the largest body of water on Earth is too cold for her. I don't understand why. Like, that's the warmer ocean. The so, Atlantic is the cold ocean. The Atlantic is the cold ocean. But here's the thing. Because I looked this up because I'm a fucking dork. So basically, the people who go to the Pacific, like, along the coast of California, that water is all coming down from, like, the Pacific Northwest and Alaska and along Canada. So that's all cold Arctic water coming down the stream. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. if you go to the Gulf of Mexico, it's all coming up from the equator. Yeah. And when you're in the Atlantic Ocean, that water's all coming up from the equator as well, which is why the Florida beach water is warmer than the California beach water. Mm -hmm. Even though, overall, Pacific's bigger and, uh, you know. Awesome. Yep. So there you go. That's our fourth POS for the night. The woman in of the kid in my daughter's class. You name the time frame, I'll name an asshole. I hope we did a good job filling in for the POS corner. That'll teach Sam to take a night off. Yeah, I know, right? How dare he? Here we are slaving away for the content. Have to make fun of kids' parents. <laughs> I was going to make fun of them anyway. It's just this one I put on the internet. People just in general, in public, anywhere, are assholes. <laughs> not wrong so wait were we getting an indictment from claire or was claire giving judgment on the woman who thinks the ocean is too cold i think it was the ocean that's too cold okay all yeah. right that's fair that's what we we're going thanks, for claire yeah <laughs> thanks a lot claire nut to butt <laughs> all right uh let's go around the diamond how about that love it around oh, the oh, diamond oh, that's right, Cats and Kittens, where we go from AL to NL, from East to West, and hit every spot in between except the flyover states that no one cares about because we're going to go around the diamond. Justin, where do you want to start? Is this going to be like the time that Sam indicted Pittsburgh? <laughs> and all of mud. <laughs> and all of mud. Uh, we'll start in the AL East. Why not? 
A-L East, um, y'all, I just need you to know, Justin just had to adjust where his microphone stand is mm -hmm. because his chest is so swollen with pride from his Boston Red Sox hitting 90 wins today. So they uh, they had lost three straight going into this. This uh, Well, actually, I take that back. They won last night. So they split this series. It was a four-game set against Cleveland. They split it. Okay. Uh, and so at the very minimum all year, they've been – like, so the, the hardest series they've gone into, like the one that I went to the Astros, uh, that series, yeah. uh, they split that series as well. So at the very minimum, they're either splitting series or they're winning games. So, I mean, they're like, even against their stiffest competition, they're doing really well, which I'm happy to see. And their pitching rotation is really struggling without Chris Sale. It's starting to struggle without Chris Sale a little bit. Okay. Um, That's but... They had lost three straight, so they lost one on Sunday night, and then they'd lost the first two to Cleveland, and mm -hmm. I started keeping an eye on the Boston media like I tend to do, and of course, all the articles started coming out of, is this team falling off, and is this, you know, blah, 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 you know, that whole narrative, and it's like, you know what, fucking chill out. Yeah, they're not going to fall out till September. They've lost 88 fucking games. Or they've won 88 games, for God's sakes. They're like over a 700 winning percentage team. Like, cool the hell out. Like, they're going to lose games. I want them to lose games, to be quite honest with you. I want them to lose some games coming up here. Because they, I don't want them to be too hot going into the playoffs. Okay. I mean, there is something to be said about that. And for what it's worth, Boston has lost... Excuse me. Kansas City has one fewer games and Baltimore has one fewer games than the Red Sox have lost. Yeah, it's pretty insane. So they lost three straight. That was the first time they had lost three straight since April the 17th. Oh my God. Isn't that wild? It's gnarly. And they are the only team in baseball this year that has not lost four games straight. It's wild. They're finding ways to win. My favorite thing the other day though was that they asked Cora about how um, they were like, they were asking him something about, does this worry you about October or something, you know, along that narrative. And he was like, it's August 21st. And you're talking to me about October. <laughs> good like, for just him. look at your calendar. No, yep. that's good. So what's your take on, uh, the first place wildcard team, the New York Yankees? Yeah. So I was about to go there next. So the yeah. Yankees are, did you, so I, I, you may not have saw this, but Pedro, uh, came out the other day and said that the Yankees look like a listless team that plays with no energy or knowing how to play together at all. And I agree with that. I've been saying that for a month and a half now. Ever since that series where, where Boston swept them, I've been saying that they look lifeless and they just they keep losing games to teams they shouldn't lose to. They're right. much better than that. They're really hurting without Aaron Judge, and there's a possibility he's going to be out another month. Jeez. That's not going to help them. So I don't know what's going on with them right now, man. But Aaron Boone's in over his head. I don't like him as a manager. I don't. He's he's very simplistic. Uh, you know, we give Gabe Kapler a lot of shit, and we give a lot of like those younger guys uh, a bunch of shit. And you know what? At the end of the day, uh, at least Gabe Kapler knows how to translate the information that he uses onto infield play, even though it got off to a little bit of a rough start. Yeah. No, I think we we're quick to uh, be drawn off sides by Kapler. So. Honest question, then. Who would be a better manager for the Yankees right now? Aaron Boone or me? You. But you know what they shouldn't have done? They shouldn't have fucking fired Joe Girardi in the first place. Yeah. It was, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What was that, three years ago? or like? No, that was last that? year. They fired him. Like, th this is Aaron Boone's first year. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't realize it had only been that recently for Jim Yeah, Hardy. so, I mean, he's a first-year, man, uh, you know, manager. And, you know, those are going to come with things. But uh, he's the manager of the New York fucking Yankees at the end of the day. Yeah. And there's not – they're just like the Boston Red Sox. There's, there's, not, there's not a downtime. It doesn't work like that. So right. – and whenever they're down, they're down for maybe a year or two before they've completely rebuilt, rebuilt themselves. That's what they've done to this point. And I think that there's a good chance that they can go out and sign Machado or somebody like that in the offseason or Bryce Harper and become exponentially better. They need that's rotation right. help more than anything, though. That's right. And and I realized when you mentioned uh, Joe Girardi, I was thinking of Joe Torrey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's been gone a little longer than that, I think. Yeah, just, just like yeah. 20 years or something yeah. stupid. Girardi will coach or uh, manage somewhere next year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet you it's the Cardinals. The Cardinals have gotten better. We'll talk about them in a minute, but uh, I bet you it's a team like the Cardinals, something like that. Maybe yeah. even Washington, because they're definitely going to fire Dave Martinez. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but we'll get there in a minute. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention on this division, other than the lifeless Orioles, um, is I saw... Actually, there's two more things I wanted to hit on. Number one, it looks to me like there have been a lot of findings for Tampa Bay's pitching the way that they've they've ordered their pitching. Do you know much about that? Uh, I remember whenever they first started getting uh, a little funky with it in June, I think it was. Yeah. Was it May or June, somewhere in there? So the way that they've been getting funky with this is think – so think about your traditional starting pitcher, right? Right. Um, what they would do is – so you still had starters, but you also had what they were call, referring to as like a warm-up pitcher. Mm-hmm who went out and started the first two innings and came out at a hard two innings. Really? Then the starter came in. Interesting. Went long, and then that way you don't burn into the bullpen. Right. Teams are starting to look at that. And if I were a Baltimore or a Royals or something like that, that's what I'd be doing to figure that out. I think especially, too, if you get a younger team that has a pretty stocked um, farm pitching system, I could see where if you build into that, you might be able to get some longer-term success. Yeah. But then it becomes just the perpetual second-guessing yourself of what if you have a guy who's, um, you know, no hit through two innings? Mm -hmm. Do you take him out? Well, so that's the thing. With this methodology, yes, you would. Right. But the thing is, like, so if you think about, like, the traditional starter – Mm-hmm. But the third time through the rotation is always the hardest because they figured out your shit by then. Right. They figured out what pe- surprises you're packing and they're looking exactly to where to hit you. So if you have a guy come out and start two innings and then you have a starter come in, you get much later into the game and much more efficiently. Yeah. I mean, and it, it completely throws up the hitters um, sort of mindset for what to what to be prepared for because yeah. now you know you're facing at least two pitches at least two pitchers rather um you know and so you have to be able to make adjustments mid-game and it's not like as sam says hitting a baseball is the hardest thing in the galaxy mm-hmm. so <laughs> he does I'm say totally, that yeah totally uh totally with you on that um so do you think that other people start to do that um, so here's the thing. And I also wanted to tell you the Rays have the sixth best ERA in baseball for a three, seven, one ERA and Houston wow. has a three thirteen ERA. So it worked or it's working, I should say. But the thing is about it, you can't do that every start. Like sure. Because the, the, the reason that they would, the reason that you would do that. So if you're 
the Red Sox, for example, and you've got Chris Sale, David Price, Nathan Eovaldi, Brian Johnson, like you've got a, and, and uh, Erod's coming back. You have, so I guess you'd lose Brian Johnson at that point, but you have a bunch of dudes that are solid. So you've got three ace starters, no doubt about that. The, the place that you would use, and, and so you can basically use the, the back of the rotation guys, and all they've got to do is just go and, and eat up five innings, six innings. But the okay. thing about it is, if you don't have a couple of ace starters, then that's how you fix that. Right. Because then you're not burning people out. You're not giving right. people a chance to be figured out. Right. Well, I mean, they'll still be figured out, but it'll take longer. It'll take longer into the game, in which case, then you can go into your bullpen anyway. Right. But the point is, you still want a starter to go five, six, seven innings if possible. If not more. Okay. No, interesting. I mean, that's the that's always the idea with a starting pitcher. That's why it's a little bit confusing. So, anyway, it's been interesting to watch. And then the final note on the AL East, did you happen to see that, uh, well, probably not because this is one of those deep stats that only me and Sam would be watching. Um, like slip? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Good old Oakland. No, it's that was Oakland, which apparently we haven't been to before, um, (laughs) according to some people. That's right. Um, But uh, Vlad Jr. is about to finish the minor league season, hitting over 400. Jeez, ridiculous. That is insane. Yeah, absolutely insane. Do you think he should play for the Rangers? I think he should play for a major league ball club. Like like the Texas Rangers? Yeah, sure. They could. I, there's no way that Toronto would ever give him up for anything ever. No. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the Central and just kind of talk around there a little bit. Uh, Cleveland's been the only one I've been interested in this week, obviously. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing Toronto would give him up for is American work visas. <laughs> Whoa. Is that is that the equivalent of, like, international signing bonus money? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know. Just, it sounded right. It's a whole, like, trade thing. I don't, yeah, we're not going to get into the economics of it. On to the central. Um, yes, Cleveland's the only one I've been remotely interested in. Um, yeah, that's really all there is to say, honestly. Yeah, Cleveland, as of today, is 12 and a half up on the Twins. I mean, the Twins and the Kansas City Royals both have the same exact chance of making the playoffs. So, I mean, it's not like anyone else from that division is going to get it. Right. In well, fact, Kansas Cleveland- City's one game away from being eliminated entirely already. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota is one, two, three, four spots out of the wild card right now. I mean, that's how bad their second place team in this division is. Yeah, it's that's insane, right? Yeah. And they're six uh, games under five hundred. The thing to look at for Cleveland is they're pretty good at home. I mean, they're not Red Sox good at home. Yeah, they are definitely doing all right at thirty nine and twenty four at home. Yeah, uh, and. They've started to, you know, they were 500 for about the first two and a half, maybe three months of the year. Mm-hmm. They've really started to, you know, be somewhere at the 666 range. They've rounded out yeah. at 575 winning percentage so far. Well, I still want to, I would much, even given this past series that they just split with Boston, I would still take my chances over on them over like the Astros and the ALDS. Sure. So, and that's the way this will shape out if it keeps going the way it's gone. Yeah. So um, the interesting thing is if you look at like Kansas City as the last in that division at 35 games back, Baltimore is 52 games back. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. Um, All right. The West. That's been the craziest division in baseball lately. Yes, absolutely. So 
we've gotten some really good back and forth from Houston and Oakland. Houston is now 77 and 50. Oakland is one game back at 76 and 51. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with this Oakland team. No. I no, not at all. In fact, if the season ended right now, Oakland would have the second wild card spot with the Yankees in the first spot. Man, that would be insane. Yeah. That'd be insane. And would they, do they just play that game at wherever the better of the two teams is? So is that game be in the Bronx? Uh, yes, because they'd recede. Yeah, basically, yes. Mm-hmm. So they would recede. But if so right now... Yankees are 79 and 47, Oakland's 76 and 51. So mm-hmm. if Oakland made up ground, they could potentially look at a home field against the Yankees, but that's their team to beat right now. God, I would love for Oakland to take down the Yankees in a one game playoff because I would still like Boston's chances. Oh, sure. Overall in that series, but I I still don't want anything to do with it. Who would you rather Boston have to play? The Yankees or the Athletics? The A's, I think. Well, uh, uh, I don't know. Actually, probably probably the Yankees. Their, their rotation's way worse. That way you can wear your damaged shirt? You got it. <laughs> you got it. Any other thoughts on the West? Um, Seattle's falling back a little bit, man. Yeah, I thought they were going to make a, a decent, maybe not run, but at least you know throw some mud in the water and, and kind of mess things up a bit. But they're... They've gone down four and a half now, so. Yeah. They uh, they just didn't do enough at the deadline. They really didn't. No. It's been the biggest problem. All right, let's move on to the National League. On to the NL. Awesome. All right. The Braves have, the Braves are, I think, far and away the best team in that division. Yeah, I think that the only team that if they would have made more moves at the at the deadline... I think Washington could have added pieces to make them more competitive. No, Since they, they didn't, Washington now is rightly in third place in the division. And if anyone could take Atlanta, it's the Phillies. And I don't think the Phillies are going to. They're only two and a half back now, but I don't see the Phillies overtaking the Braves. Not with the way that they've been playing lately. No, definitely not. Let me tell you something about that Washington team. That Washington team is terrible. It is all kinds of a mess. They have a clubhouse problem. They have a manager problem. They have a player problem. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's just yeah. awful. Like they've got to, they've got to get rid of. They need to get rid of their GM. They need to get rid of everything. So let me tell you, uh, we were talking pre-show. How familiar, how familiar are you with tra- MLB transactions after the MLB uh, trade deadline? I have very little familiarity, with the exception of the Verlander pickup by Houston. Is about the most I know about it. Okay, so the way this works is, so you have a waiver wire, right? Mm-hmm. And so up to July 31st, you can trade a player. So I could trade a player to you, and it would not, he would not have to, to uh, clear waivers first. That's why it's called the non-waiver trade deadline. And after that, you can trade still. You can, you can put them out on waivers, so any team can come and claim that person, mm-hmm. which, is what Seattle, or, uh, which is what Detroit did when they put Verlander out there is they put them out on waivers. Now, teams don't typically, they honor the agreement, the kind of, you know, it's kind of a gentleman's agreement that they won't just claim somebody. Right. And they'll try to work out a trade. Because the thing is, the other team can just pull them back. Right. So they put out, Washington put out Harper and almost every other team, or a player on that team, out on waivers and tried to negotiate a deal and couldn't get anything done. The 
Dodgers actually were going to claim Bryce Harper. Awesome. And, the, you know, and so, like, whenever that happens, they'll try to work out a deal. But the crazy part about that is when that's going on, it's always a mystery of what team that is. That's never released. So it's oh. like a mystery team has claimed Bryce Harper, and that mystery team ended up being the Dodgers. They couldn't work out a deal, but that's not surprising. Did they know what um, L.A. was willing to give up for him? I'm sure everything. I mean, <laughs> nothing else has stopped them. They've been willing to give up anything and everything. So I, I, I'm sure it was... I'm sure it was more that Washington has unrealistic expectations. Sure. Because he's going to walk right out the door for a draft pick this year. And honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't blame him. And you know me, man. I'm not a big Bryce Harper guy. But I wouldn't blame him one bit. It's pretty crazy. You just got to do what you got to do. He probably just wants to tax and paper. Yep. And, and he should. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't. I'm not going to go as far as saying he's earned it. But, you know, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. I'm never going to fault anybody for that. Um, all right, let's move on to the Central. All right, perfect. Oh, uh, uh, the one other thing I was going to mention about the East real fast. Um, I would say that the Mets have a pretty solid pitching staff, ironically enough. Yeah, I was catching, um, I want to say game Monday or Tuesday, and whatever day Syndergaard was last on the mound, I got to tell you, some decent stuff being thrown. Yeah, man. I mean... And I'm, I'm pretty certain that Jacob Degrom is going to win the Cy Young. That guy's totally really, bad. really good. He's got a 171 ERA. Oh my god! Like that's better than I mean, obviously better than anybody else in the the league. But it goes Degrom at 171, Chris Sale at 197, Blake Snell at 207, Aaron Nala at 213, Max Scherzer at 213, and Verlander is seventh at 265. Wow, crazy, right? Yeah, no, like. I believe it when you go through the numbers, but just thinking about it, I wouldn't have thought that that's how it's stacked. Up. I a hundred percent agree with you. 100%. Right. Um, but anyway, all right, so move on to the central. Um, we have the cubbies at 72 and 53. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals are 71 and 57, only two and a half back and Milwaukee's in third place at 71 and 58. They are three back right now. What do you mm-hmm. think? Um, the Cardinals have been playing a lot better. They're eight and two of their last ten. Yeah. Whereas the Cubs are five and five of their last ten. I still if think the, the Cubs will win overall. Yeah. If the season ended today, uh, St. Louis would have the first wild card spot. Yeah. Colorado would have the second one. Milwaukee would be on the outside looking in. That'd be so crazy, dude. This Milwaukee team. <sighs> well, it's like you said. Last year they had an amazing first half of the split, and then a terrible second half. They ended up at almost what five hundred exactly. Mm-hmm. They've definitely went along further in their rebuild rebuild this year. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're unable to stop the slide. God, man, I don't want to be wrong about that, but I'm starting to be worried that I was. No. I, hey, man, we've all been wrong on our takes before. True. At least we don't except, run from them like assholes. Yeah, except Claire. Claire has never been wrong. No. Nut to butt. That's right. Um, um, so you think you see the Cubs taking the division and St. Louis in the wild card? You feel pretty confident on that uh, one? Honestly, no, not specifically. I could see... I mean, St. Louis is only a half game up on the wild card for Milwaukee. I could see Milwaukee taking it. I'm not going to back down from that. I, I would have expected them to be better than a wild card team. but Sure. 
No, I get that. But I guess I didn't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't. I know I didn't pick them to win the division. No, no. I know I picked the Cubs on this one. Yeah, I know I did too. And I've been saying that since Milwaukee, and even whenever Pittsburgh was was hot at the beginning of the year. Yep. Cubs are they're going to be lazy for the first part of the year, just kind of bouncing around. But uh, especially now that the people in Northern Chicago have tasted victory, they don't want to be caught uh, caught sleeping again. Yeah, and it definitely. I mean. Adding Cole Hamels to their rotation is definitely helping Chicago. So, Yeah, it makes me think that I don't want to say he was just sandbagging in Texas, but I definitely think he was saving his stuff. I don't know if it's that, man. I think that it's a lot of things. I think whenever a starting pitcher like him, who's a World Series champion, Mm -hmm. MVP, um, when they see that things aren't going anywhere, it's really hard to be motivated. Even even so, your most strong dude that's like, you know, your guy. Well, and, Sorry. you know, I have no reason to, to dislike the guy, but opening day he could barely get it above 89. Yeah. He got off to a slow start, too. He's get, I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30 at this point. Sure. So, I mean, he definitely. But his first game in Chicago, he's clipping 96. No, I know. I, like I said, it took him a while to get going, and I agree with that, but I think he was pretty demoralized right out of the gate, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I got you. He just wished that he would have been able to play for Ron Washington. I guess so. Let's not get into him again. against Banny Rooster. (laughs) Let's not get into Ron Washington again. Any other thoughts on the Central, Justin? Uh, Did you like the the picture I posted to the Instagram that Sam had of Ron Washington? Cigarette. (laughs) Yes, so awesome. Uh, No, no other thoughts there. Cut the filter off of Marlboro Red. Right. Um, All right, let's talk about the West. Uh, man, so I watched Colorado win in an incredible walk-off today. It was, they were playing the Padres down 3-2, to two, bottom of the ninth, 2-1, and uh, Nolan Arenado hit a walk-off homer. It's awesome. It's the first thing I saw when I walked into the door today. I have a question. Yeah. Do we have to talk about the West? Because I'm kind of bummed that the Dodgers are four and a half back right now at 67 and 61. I want you to think about your, ch- your choice here. And just compare them to the Red Sox record. <laughs> They're considerably worse. Considerably. You're considerably worse. But every team is considerably worse. That's the thing. Like, they're on a historic run, so I don't know. Yeah, man, the Dodgers, I mean, they're still 3-7 and seven of their last 10. They just keep stumbling all over themselves. I don't understand why. Yeah. Um, I So, I think that it says a lot about their ability to rebuild their team whenever they feel like however if you rebuild your team whenever you feel like it you rob it of its culture or its identity that it would have built right so i love that they made moves but they may have tinkered too much that's exactly what happened to boston in 2010 or 2011 is that they had they bought all these stars and none of them all of them cared about their own stuff i mean when you have David Ortiz busting into a, p- a press conference yelling at Terry Francona about how he wasn't scored an RBI when he when he should have been. I mean, the culture is off, and that's a great example. And I feel like that's a lot maybe of what's going on with the Dodgers. I think they're having fun playing baseball, but I think people like Manny Machado, to be honest, have kind of sucked since they've been there. Yeah. No, I think Machado had a good first two games, maybe, maybe three, and then it's been about average. Uh, realistically, if the Dodgers can't win win this division, let's give it to Colorado because I don't want you and Sam to be right about Arizona. We're going to be right about Arizona. I can already tell you. No one's right about Arizona unless they say it's hot and you say, hey, super obvious prediction, man. Let me give you these numbers 
real quick about Manny Machado. Baltimore versus the Dodgers. You <laughs> oh ready for this? God. Baltimore, this he was batting 315. Now he's batting 273. <laughs> he was on base 387 in Baltimore, 363 now. He was slugging 575 in Baltimore. He is slugging 453 now. He had an OPS of 963 in Baltimore, and he had an 816 OPS in L.A. Considerably worse numbers. So help me out here. What what do you say his batting average once he joined L.A. is? 273. That's almost better than the best Ranger, which is <laughs> overall this year, Shinsu Chu at 282. Wow, what's his OPS? Uh, Chu? Yeah. Let me see. You said OPS or OBP? Uh, OPS. Okay, let me see. All right, OPS for Chu, 877. Wow, okay, not bad. Better mm-hmm. than Manny Machado. 3-5 war so far this year. Not bad at all. Still overpaid, but... Yeah. I will, to give Manny Machado a little bit of credit, there's only a 32-game sample in... in yeah, so far. But that's, I mean, that's a fair amount of games. Right. Um, what else? Yeah, Arizona's ripping ass. Um, I'm happy with it. San Francisco's back yeah. where they belong. Are they 500? San, oh, just below 500? Just below. San Diego is just terrible. 50 and 80 is just brutal. So much for that golden bat of Eric Hosmer, huh? He did all right on my fantasy team. Yeah. Depends on how you score it. All right. That is Around the Diamond. All right, Ben. So I've got one more thing for this evening. Yes. Um, and this ties into what you mentioned at the very beginning of the show about me being too critical about the Little League World Series. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm going to take you along my train of thought. Okay. And we're going to talk about this along the way. Okay. All right. So... Um, I, I know myself, right? And I wrote it in the blog the other day. So I, honestly, I encourage everyone to go check that out at sensiblyloud.com because I'm not going back over all of it. But long story short, I know myself. I'm too critical whenever I watch baseball. I shouldn't be wondering why the hell the 3-0 pitch, you know, to this kid, why he pulled the string on it when obviously this pitcher's been thrown outside all the time. Why not just let the walk be issued. Why would you pull the string? Anyway, it's not important. They, is the answer because he's 12? Exactly. And they shouldn't be held to the standard that I view baseball through. And that's not fair to kids. So I, I, I and, that, and that was kind of the thesis of the blog I wrote about Big Al, uh, who's kind of the, the viral video star of the Little League World Series here in 2018. Anyway, um, so yeah, Claire was giving me shit about being critical. But to be fair, I gave the disclaimer, this disclaimer of, I'm too critical. I don't usually watch this because of this exact problem. So, to be very fair. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I kept thinking about that. And, and just in general, the Little League World Series is on. And, like, I just, man, I have such a hard time getting on board with it um, because of those exact reasons that, like, I just really don't pay any kind of attention to it at all. And I started thinking about years past and years that I have watched it. And I, it made me think way back to uh, around the year 2000. I believe it was 2001, actually. Okay, so we were like a 
14, 13? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was yeah, still playing and everything. Um, do you know who Danny Almonte is? No. All right. So Danny Almonte. Is that the guy who does the canned fruit? No, that's Dolmonte. Monte. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, so 2001 Little League World Series. Danny struck out 68 of 72 batters he faced. Okay. He threw two perfect games, and he couldn't pitch in the final game because you can't pitch two games in succession in the Little League World Series. That's ridiculous. After he pitched two perfect games and he's 15 years old? Yeah. No, so the age limit's 12. He's 12 years old. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, Uh I'm with you. And if you go back and watch some of these videos, so I remember this all playing out specifically. And I remember even watching this kid because this dude was like, man, he was up there throwing like 77, 78. Jeez. And he was like, he had a curveball that dropped out like some pros in the, in the big leagues today would kill to have. Right. Um, he could throw a slider. I mean, dude, he had not only the mental game, but just the physical game to match the mental game. Yeah. It was insane. It was almost like going up and watching like, Verlander deal. Just like, yeah, no problem with confidence or anything, right? Just cruised. And, you know, they only go five innings. So, you know, it's a little bit easier to throw a perfect game. But not really at that age, if you think yeah. about it. But this dude was just up there throwing gas. And so, of course, they win and everything like that. About a month later, it comes out that he was like 15 years old. Oh, I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. I didn't know it was the same guy. Yeah, like, so that's, that's Danny Almonte. And he... uh like, I don't know, it's, I, so I looked into the specifics of it a little bit. Essentially, he moved here from the, the DR, lived with some, like, uncle of his who told him, like, you're going to play baseball, or continue to play baseball, and signed him up, and he didn't really know, apparently. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't really understand how you could not know that you're older than all of your teammates by a significant amount. Yeah. Especially at that age. Like, they had to know. Yeah. But anyway, so it brought that story up, and it just, man, I looked more into it, and it just, I, I remember living it all through. And just being so like it, just being so draw, jaw dropping, and almost just thinking, even at that age, for me being like, something's off here, <laughs> something doesn't feel right, because that kid's making other little kids just look foolish. Right. Yeah. So it's it's like if you like challenged a group of first graders to chess, like it just yeah. might not be fair. Well, maybe I'm not very good at chess. <laughs> Alrighty, man. Well, that's all I had for you. I just wanted to bring that up. I just couldn't all remember. Right. Go a little stroll down memory lane. Perfect. Well done, sir. Um, so we just want to make sure that everyone, if you like what you're hearing, check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. Lots of great content there. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, On the Break, a basketball podcast. And if you like what you hear, check us out on social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at OutfielderPod. And, of course, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. That really helps us out. Absolutely. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for Episode 43 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. And we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. <laughs>